Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about, uh, well, at this point, we're about 1.5% of the show has been about Sarah Palin, so I don't know how to feel about that. This is is that our, true? This is our sixth Sarah Palin episode. Wow. We did this movie before. We did her. We did two books, her original book that this stole from, and then her Good Tidings of Great Joy about Christmas, and we watched the, uh, the reality show. Man. Yeah, we're just piling them up. We're we are deep on Sarah. I'm your I think host. I've Ale- done four of those six. Yeah, you, you're an expert. Yep. I'm your host, Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone, and I have a great panel today. First of all, he's at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Hey, you know I've done this show a lot of times, and it's a little fucked up that you're hogging all the Palin. This is my first Palin, <laughs> Alex. Why, yeah. why do I get any of the good Palin? I didn't even know about this great woman until this week. Wow, if this is all you know about her. Yeah, I mean, I literally, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know that she's a great candidate for president, but her tone is a little flat when she's narrating. Yeah, I know she's uh, never been defeated in anything ever. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll talk about whether or not she's been defeated. Uh, also joining us from Los Angeles, California, she's at Bree Pruitt on Twitter. It's Bree Pruitt. You know, a lot of people talk about pit bulls, grizzlies, what about the moose? Isn't that the most deadly animal in Alaska? <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, Why isn't she the moose? Huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. The moose is really like the hippo of Alaska, <laughs> you know? Like no one no one thinks about it being dangerous, but it is actually like the most dangerous. I think it's because the moose doesn't actually protect its cubs. It yeah. it just, it just lets kills them- for fun. It kills it kills their cubs for fun, and then it enrolls them in socialized medicine, and that's why it's not the moose. Can't be the moose. Uh, I think if you want the most dangerous animal, it's actually mosquito. It's just a lot less fun. But I think I doubt- the most dangerous animal is man, Alex. <laughs> well, that's probably true too. I think mosquitoes have killed more people than people have, but um, it's a close race. They certainly in like it's in small doses, but inflicted more pain overall. Wait, humans mm. or mosquitoes? Mosquitoes, because they utilitarian. Keep, yeah, yeah, they they bite little little bites, but more of them that equal death. And well, and also some of them have uh, dengue in them. Mm-hmm. Some of them also have dino DNA though, so that's <laughs> that's, true. that's something yeah. to be proud so of. So it evens out ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> also joining us, he is uh, yeah one of the Sarah Palin experts on the show at Carter Street Forty Two on Twitter in Seattle, Washington. It's Mr. Stephen Carter. Unix everywhere. All I see is Unix. <laughs> Unix oh in DC God. everywhere. There's so many Unix. I'm going to say the word Unix 40 times in a single Man. sentence. <sighs> that guy Unix. sure does hate someone who serves you food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that what Unix a... too? No. They have like grapes I, I don't on think so. plate. No, Alex. No. no. <laughs> okay. What? Am I... They sing. Oh, they They're... sing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Children you cut off their testicles of so their voice never drops so they can sing high forever. You know, oh. Hollywood, uh, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was well, one of the guys, it, <laughs> one of the guys in this uh, in this movie for this is for the listeners, just kept um, referring to men who wouldn't protect Sarah Palin as eunuchs, and he just kept saying it over and over again. And, uh, uh, one man in this film, uh, specifically one Mister Breitbart. Yeah. Oh, was that was it? I <gasps> didn't yeah. know. Yeah, the actual Breitbart. Rest in oh, peace, wow. gun down in his prime, Andrew Breitbart. <laughs> yeah, doing what he loved. Yeah. Um, the, 
it, it shows it, it's so interesting how much it shows like conservatives deep seated insecurities about their balls not being appropriate. Yeah, yeah. very conservative. Or just deep seated ideas about like I mean that's really sexist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's ridiculous. we gotta defend this woman. It's ridiculous. I know. It, it's also like I I just. I love the idea of like asking you a boss to close your movie real strong because you got no one else to. <laughs> like I think that's a really funny notion. Like, I mean, hey Andrew, are... I need you to come in and just get me over the finish line. Just come in. I'm gonna turn the camera on. I'm gonna walk away. You just give me gold, buddy. I can riff on Unix for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah. Is> that <laughs> All right. So this is episode number 397. Whoa. We have now done as many episodes as the number of Congress people who voted to condemn the government of Turkey for the violence that erupted at the Turkish embassy last month, where nice. nine people were injured when Turkish security personnel attacked peaceful protesters outside the embassy. Uh, well, there you go. 397 people voted to condemn. Who didn't. Well, uh, according to this, uh, th- 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 no one no one voted against it. So people, everyone else just did not vote. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which, well, it does it. Or are they eunuchs? I don't know if that was a strong decision. <laughs> I mean, statistically, Unixes. a bunch of them have to be, based <laughs> off of what I've heard about eunuchs. Uh, 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 some other people, what they said about it, let's see, Representative Ed Royce of California, the Republican chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, called the violence an act of suppression on American soil and an affront to the First Amendment rights of U.S. citizens. Also, John McCain tweeted, this is the United States of America. We do not do this here. There's no excuse for this kind of thuggish behavior. By which he's talking about cops attacking protesters so apparently neither of them has seen a protest before (laughs) because yeah we do that here we do that here a lot all the time that's the thing we do anyway speaking of political theater this week we're talking about the undefeated the 2011 film about sarah palin who has won fewer vice presidential elections than the cubs have won world series (laughs) (laughs) and she is not even cursed by a goat she just was defeated that one time uh, also, the governorship defeated her once she won it, but then the job mm-hmm. defeated her. Mm-hmm. Or if you believe this movie, her critics defeated her, which is still weird. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know why it's called that. I guess it's like emotionally she's undefeated despite being repeatedly defeated. I guess that you could make that case. I think it's just unintentionally hilarious. Like That's someone who is tell. famous for being defeated. <laughs> well, yeah. If, if this was like a movie about like a ragtag bunch of baseball kids and they like lose the big game but their hearts are still whole you know you'd be like Mm -hmm. you guys are undefeated you still love each other and you still play better than those kids in the nice bus from across town what Mm -hmm. if it was a movie though about a ragtag kid sports team who got called up to major politics to be a (laughs) game-changing vice presidential candidate (laughs) seriously I'm Let's spitballing you, but how Let's, cool wait. would that movie be? Bad what would Bears be amazing. meets House of Codes. <laughs> Let's make it. I would also be interested if it was like the Bad News Bears, like a kids baseball team that all of a sudden had a major league contract and they just played <laughs> really badly and then had to go back down to being in the, in the kids league and yeah. then they didn't like that anymore and so they quit to make a lucrative speaking deal. I'd... I'd watch that movie. I'd, I'd watch, watch the documentary about the movie. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'd, if that was, I'd catch that on Netflix one night. I would. See? Anyway, so the reason we're watching this film from 2011 about a p- political figure we don't talk about much anymore is because this is the beginning of Revisit Month. Happy Revisit July, everybody. Um, we're, uh, as we just, just coming through the eight-year anniversary of the show, we're closing in on our 400th episode. So for our final four episodes of the 
300s and the first of the 400, I guess. Anyway, we're doing revisit month, so we're talking about stuff. We've, we're checking in on a couple of topics from back in the day and seeing how they've changed uh, in our minds since then, I guess. So we're going to... We're going to talk about how this has aged, uh, I think, is going to be one of the key play uh, players here. One of the most important things to notice is that this film was produced by a person who, in episode 136, we had never heard of, Mr. Stephen K. Bannon. So back then, we were just like, man, this is some weird fan fiction from a guy no one's heard of. And, and now it turns out he's famous, the least photogenic human working for the Trump campaign. Isn't that crazy? He just well, we never heard of him. Like the guy, like the Steve Bannon who made this, right, is a different guy than like, like now he's just like a corpse possessed by a demon. You know, like <laughs> he's a different, it's a different person now. Oh. Uh, so there's that element. You know, the, the actual Steve K. Bannon died like six years ago in a satanic ritual. Uh, <laughs> the actual Steve K. Bannon made a lot of money off Seinfeld reruns. And use that. That's yeah. his main fortune now. Is he's the Seinfeld? He he had a production Hollywood production company. Well, he worked for Goldman Sachs. Used some money from Goldman Sachs to invest in a bunch of Hollywood stuff, including he was part of a group that bought the like rerun rights to Seinfeld and then made a fortune off them. And so we got to boycott Seinfeld now. Just just old Seinfelds. You can watch new ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made all his money off that, and then he used that to help fund Breitbart when he started that website and then uh, all other films like this one including a film about how much he hates the occupy movement so really stuck it to those guys and now he's the most powerful man in the country isn't that crazy yeah. he's he's in charge of the free world um after after both those things he propelled donald trump to his landslide three million landslide three million vote loss and subsequent election so let me ask y'all a question because you yeah. seem more versed than i am uh what is his position now because it was my understanding that he was not officially on the cabinet is he just a trusted advisor at this point i believe so yeah right yeah, yeah he's so he's too. officially senior advisor so and and how it's set up i mean there's not like jobs don't necessarily carry over like who's um so so typically the the, the chief of staff would be like the senior person in the white house and right now the chief of staff runs Priebus and him who is the senior advisor sort of are having a like civil cold war or something internally Whoa. for power I don't know. I've seen them publicly shake hands. I think they, they're friends. Yeah, that's what they want. You to think, Alex. <laughs> it's very and Jared it's, Kushner is the puppet. Yes, <laughs> the, yeah. the, he's like the third faction that is uh, uh, toothless, useless, and e also evil. Yeah, a marionette of evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're going to talk a lot about evil. I think is going to be one of our our is a good our, <laughs> uh, I don't know our uh, lightning bonus round segment. Uh, so we'll come back to both of these things. But yeah, he's in he's in the White House now doing unknown things and just looking terrible every time he's photographed yeah god i don't know and i like i don't oh, photograph I he looks great that's the whole <laughs> point he looks fine compared to you know the 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 what, what were the the bad guys from the dark crystal <laughs> the skexies the skexies yeah jared kushner is like the elfin front for the skexies whoa he is like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what he looks like. Uh, I hate to I hate to pick on a guy's appearance. I just felt like every Steve Bannon has just got some weird like he just he's always wearing shorts that seem a little weird, like too small for him. <laughs> and he's splotchy. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't photograph well. Like I feel like we have that in common, but 
If you ever yeah. get yeah. stuck on a plane with him, you can have that to talk about. We can't, can't wait. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for the way we're doing Revisit Month is the Meat Buddies are getting to vote on their topics they want to hear us talk about again. Um, we have, well, we have two of the three remaining uh, topics picked out, but we have there's a run for fourth place. So if, if you're a Meat Buddy, you know where to go. And if not, email me and I'll tell you where to go. But if you want to become a Meat Buddy and be able to vote, go to readdeskweek.com slash Meat Buddies, and you can help decide the last Revisit topic. For those of you who haven't seen this film, because you don't work for this show or are one of the seven people who saw it in theaters, <laughs> uh, it did not it did not do well in theaters. Although it lasted a while on uh, like pay per view or whatever. Um, anyway, let me let me summarize it for you. The synopsis today is brought to you is I, I I guess lifted without permission from Eric Robinson, who writes about politics and film on the website Letterboxd. Holy shit! So that's Eric's. Uh, entire review of the movie uh i'll give you a more i guess i'll give you a little bit more information here this is from ann hornaday writing in the washington post uh, right after it was released after a melodramatic prologue in which steve bannon cuts together the most vicious sexist attacks on palin during her campaign alongside john mccain the filmmaker embarks on his larger agenda setting the record straight about palin's remarkable political career imbuing it with a near spiritual meaning by way of biblical quotes promiscuously strewn amongst the film's in intertitles and stoking the populist fires of the Palin presidential run for 2012. So that didn't end up happening, but he stoked the fire. It just didn't become a fire. Uh, Bannon tells the story of Sarah Palin's political awakening during the Exxon Valdez oil spill when she first considering ch considered channeling her outrage and running for office. She did, becoming uh, mayor of Wasilla in 1996, and governor of Alaska 10 years later. When the Exxon Valdez hit Bly Reef, I was a young mother-to-be with a blue-collar husband headed up to the slope. I hadn't yet envisioned running for elected office, but looking back, I can see that tragedy planted a seed in me. If I ever had a chance to serve my fellow citizens, I would do so, and I'd work for the ordinary, hard-working people, like everyone who was part of my ordinary, hard-working world. Did we look up how big Wasilla was in 1996? I'm guessing it's like a thousand people. Uh, I mean, they talk about like a Fred Myers coming to town as like a huge first act victory in this movie. <laughs> so true. I can't imagine it was that okay. big. Okay. In 2010, the population was 7,831 people. Man, I feel like if it's if it's under 10,000, doesn't like everyone just get a chance to be mayor for a couple days? <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I don't... We grow our best people in small towns, Alex. That's that's what and, and people honestly, from small towns keep telling us. If someone brought a Fred Meyer to me, I would I would vote for that person for life. Yeah. Fred Meyer is great. It is. And pretty the, good. the thing is, it's not... That, like, technically, anyone could be mayor, but it's only those special people who have, like... Maybe, like, imagine a visual metaphor of a seed sprouting in somebody, if you will. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes and imagine this. The way it grows and sprouts oh, through the earth—that's what you want <laughs> in right. your mayor of your so small town. You know what Anthony is talking about is uh, to go back <laughs> to Anne's review uh, with cheesy stock footage of zebras being attacked by lions and stage sequences of angry crowds wagging fingers at the camera. All oh yeah, by, I forgot about that. Holy all, shit! All backed by increasingly ugly musical score that swerves from atonal dissonance to heavenly hymns. The undefeated becomes less about Palin than about what her supporters so ardently want her to be. I'm not going to Washington to seek their good opinion. I'm going to Washington to serve the people of this great country. 
finally here with somebody who was standing up with a beautiful smile on her face, full of courage and life and vitality. She clearly, every step of the way, decided to go for it, and she faced everything in front of her to get it. These are the salt of the earth of America. To a person, they're the most decent people you've ever met. Sarah Palin recognized that naturally. Well, one of the things that's powerful about this Tea Party movement is that it's individuals, it's grassroots, it's organic. Tea Party did represent that kind of organic outgrowth. It's the person, the shop next to you, it's the person at the gas station, it's the person at your PTA. Part of the unconventionalness of Sarah Palin and why she represents Tea Party so well, but this kind of natural organic movement of the American people, again, is balancing, not telling people what to do, but representing what must be done. We will always come through. We will never give up and we shall endure because we live by that moral strength that we call grace. Because though we've often skirted a precipice, a providential hand has always guided us to a better future. Look around you, you're not alone. You are Americans. Especially yeah. vocal are such bloggers and talk shocks as Andrew Breitbart, Tammy Bruce, and Mark Levine, each of whom invades ad nauseum against anyone who at any time had anything less than Hosanna-ish to hurl at Sarah Palin's feet. Levine, in particular, barks at considerable length uh, about how she's the new incarnation of Reagan, a tirade that might tempt viewers to check their lapels for fingerprints when he's finally finished. That's how I feel when I go into Washington and I, I see eunuchs. I see men who do not have the courage of their convictions like Sarah Palin does. The first way to get approved in the cultural right in Washington, D.C. or in New York City is to disparage Sarah Palin. I see eunuchs. The people who are running for the presidency of the United States watch as a woman is attacked mercilessly, and they do nothing. I see eunuchs. So the key is Sarah Palin's story from Alaska to... 2012 theoretically but mostly stock footage and mm -hmm. i think it's the most important thing to remember about this movie which we talked about last episode last time we talked about it, is that sarah palin refused to be part of the film and so the narration of the movie provided by sarah palin is just steve bannon pulled her audiobook and played clips of her reading her own audiobook and pretended she was narrating the film that's this movie should be about Bannon's spirit to continue with the film despite the fact that Sarah Palin didn't want to be involved. Like an adaptation type of thing? Like write himself yes. in? That's what's That's undefeated. The story. Yeah. yeah. His spirit. And he is, is he is undefeated. And he goes on to a more promising career yeah. than she does, it turns out. <laughs> this movie is about one man. I mean, it's really a movie about obsession, right? Yeah. It's about one man's quest to just make a movie with no budget or people interested in making a movie helping out it's a the stock footage thing is i just can't stress enough it, the it's stock, so funny it's just a series of stock footage clips smushed together with uh these clips from the audiobook there are like and a lot of palin speeches yeah every you, speech she's ever given. yeah the speech and also there's like three interview people the the blog people that was just, right. just mentioned that are like white on or on on a white background and the camera cuts really aggressively around their face um yeah it is like it is slightly nauseous making to me. It makes me nauseous. I, yeah, I saw yeah. somewhere that this had a million dollar budget. Is that right? No, I don't. I all thought of I... that went to stockphotos.com. No, that, that's, that's a thing. Like, I, honestly, I feel like I could make this movie with just it, 
a, a Getty Images account. I could do it with Getty Images <laughs> and iMovie in a, in in a day. Yeah, for it's sure. really really not that hard what they did. There. I guess movies are expensive, but like maybe it was like he had to buy the audiobook rights and that was 900,000. Yeah, that's actually probably right actually. I and bet so, that cost a lot of money. Like well, I don't have any, any money left to shoot film. Let's just see what we got in this old Getty Images. Yeah, then one day of filming those other uh, interviews, and that's it. Well, so uh, we should actually, you know, we should stop here for a second because it's important for our show that we start and end with a compliment. It's called the compliment sandwich. So now it's time for the major compliment. So, Steve, uh, Stephen, as uh, the Palin expert, I'm going to make you go first. So what is your major compliment for the undefeated? Yeah, I think I'm going to say that my major compliment is uh, – actually, here's my major compliment. I love in um, – and this is something both sides of the aisle do, but I spent like a, a decade or so in politics and I stopped. But my favorite thing about that people believe about both sides when they are attacking the other side is that they're like mastermind, like political masterminds and have – this like omnipotent ability to put plans into action. So it's like when Sarah Palin rose to national prominence, they're saying the left initiated their flawless uh, godlike powers to yeah. get everybody to hate her. I and thought everything that was like pretty that. complimentary. Like there is, I know, right? It's like like the left is God. Uh, <laughs> there is no nobody has a plan. Nobody sticks to plans. Like it's impossible. Yeah. Like it's so funny to me that everything. Like this is like political fan fiction. It's like House of Cards. None of that is yeah. possible. It's all just people fucking up constantly. <laughs> so uh, I, I I just love my compliment. I guess is like perpetuating the 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 idea that um, the left uh, is good is competent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is competent. <laughs> it was also weird because they were like they this came right from the play the what uh, whoever it was Solinsky. Yeah, the Solinsky playbook, which is to go after the strength. Which just doesn't feel like a great playbook if it's like find the thing people like about her and try to undermine that like that. Yeah, I feel like that's a two year old's playbook, too. And I love that, like (laughs) the Obama campaign in 2008 after the convention, right when Palin is announced, they all like huddle in a room and just like check out Saul Linsky's writing and like are like putting their (laughs) finger down. What should we use? Oh, number two would work. Like, no, (laughs) like. So yeah, strange. how can we figure out what to say about the person who just said on national TV she's never read a newspaper? Like, how yeah, are we exactly. going to find a good a line of attack for well, this person? <laughs> what's our way in here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bree, why don't we have you go next? What's your major compliment for the undefeated? I guess I'd have to say that the state of Alaska uh, is more beautiful and interesting than I thought. Damn yeah. it, that was mine too. Well, you better get a new one I because mean, Alaska good, was really good news like is a Alaska's- character in the film. Sorry, go ahead, Anthony. I was to say Alaska's big enough for both of you a compliment. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it is just like a character in the film, break for sure. There's a, and that's the best part of the beginning. It's just they were like, "Yeah, you're really selling me on Alaska." <laughs> yeah, and I, I was like, "All that oil sounds pretty chill." Um, you know, the glaciers in the footage that I saw don't appear to be melting, so I'm sure everything's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean that's. I so many of the footage the stock footage things were mismatched like I'm I'm almost positive that glacier was not an Alaskan glacier but um because <laughs> I've seen that glacier footage in a lot of different documentaries that are not about Alaska and it's just that same one clip but I I mean I watched three to five Alaska based reality shows at any given time in my life I'm really <laughs> mm-hmm. a fan of Alaska I and when which ones you like the ice road truckers I 
that's uh, mostly Canada, but no, I don't care for Ice Road Truckers, but I do like a lot of gold mining shows, and I also enjoy uh, crab fishing shows. Mm -hmm. I watch a lot of Deadliest Catch um, Mm -hmm. still. It's getting a little boring this year because they were like, the Department of Fish and Game is like, well, you caught all the crab. There's almost none left. So this year there's very little work to do. (laughs) They almost did it. They almost finished. Um, Should change it to the deadliest catch and release. Well, okay. So I've said this on the show before, but that's my favorite thing about crab fishing because I don't like, like fishing, fishing, they kill the fish. But in crab fishing, you get no money for a dead crab. So you have to keep it alive. So they're actually kind of gentle with them. That's they, sweet. They just take them out and they put them in the tank and they're like, you stay alive, buddy. We need you later. And so I just... Alex, this is why no one likes vegetarians. <laughs> is that why? I, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons not and to like... Isn't that like saying I don't like serial killers, but I love human traffickers? You know, like, <laughs> if someone else is going to kill them and harvest their organs, that's fine. I just like that you have to be kind of nice to them on the way there. Well, they yeah. don't have a central nervous system, so I'm less worried about it than with humans. But oh, that's um, a good point. I just picture that they are taken to a little crab uh, polishing station where they're cleaned up and sent back <laughs> to their houses. Uh, Whatever you got to tell yourself, bud. I, well, really what I like is I like the sweeping shots of the uh, Bering Sea. But anyway, I so I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say a more specific thing about Alaska. So I love all the Alaska stuff. It's a beautiful place. Also, my wife was born there. Really appreciate Alaska for doing yeah. that. But um, my favorite thing in this movie that was there was one shot when they're talking about how big Alaska was, and they put Alaska's outline over the country, and it's mm. like most of the country. It was mm-hmm. like it start if you put if you put the Alaska outline over the United States, it's like top of Minnesota to middle of Texas, yeah. touches the East Coast, touches like um, Utah. I think I mean it's just very large, and we got so, that for like twenty five dollars, right, from Canada. See, just to be clear, your compliment for this movie is that Alaska is big. No, no, no. That's that would be an unreasonable compliment. My compliment is I didn't realize it was that big until this movie okay. showed me okay. the transparent outline of it. Ah, okay, so you learned something. I learned something about how big it was. I genuine. That's a genuine compliment. I I did not realize it was quite that big. It's huge. It's and, great. Yeah. All right, Anthony. What's your Proud major you. compliment? Um. Uh. So. I did not, like, I know a lot about Sarah Palin once she gets on the political stage, but I really actually didn't know any of her, like, origin story, and, you know, for whatever how true it is, or what, you know, this, I, I doubt all of that was 100% real, uh, like anything in this movie, but I did kind of enjoy, like, learning that, like, she really was just, like, someone who didn't have giant political aspirations. She's actually kind of a tragic figure when you look at it as this, like, this yeah. this governor in Alaska who's working hard, they need some kind of literally like game changing candidate. So they just scour and in the twenty fifth hour find Sarah and you're like, You're going to the show, kid. Yeah. And, and like, she was like, just, I wanted to be a governor of Alaska. I was having a good time. Yeah, it's it's very like to see that, I thought that was really interesting. Um Yeah. So at yeah. least there was like that like that early stuff until it gets into uh because, I mean, he's always kind of mythologizing her. But, like, once she gets on the field, it's literally this is, like, this is God incarnate who's come down to bless us. Like, it changes from, like, a person to, like, a demigod halfway through this movie, you know? I mean, her – so her actual uh, rise to governor, her run for governor, is a pretty interesting political story The where she did run against her party. And, like, it was, it was a, a fascinating – 
uh, uh, turn of events. And she did do that thing where she quit the corrupt oil commission Mm -hmm. in order to shed light on how corrupt it, which feels a little weird. And later when she quits governor, you're like, that seems like maybe that's your answer to every problem. Uh, but like at the time that was actually kind of like an interesting bit of whistleblowing and it was a fairly lucrative position on an easy job where she was like, I can't do this. It's corrupt. Mm. So that was like, there was some interesting moments there. And I, I do think that, well, let's use this to kind of slide into the, the discussion of the, doesn't have to be compliments anymore. Uh, so I guess how has our opinion changed? Cause it's revisit month since April of 2012. And one thing I, d- I feel is that your, your thing that she's kind of a tragic figure and I, I definitely feel like it was more her story on national politics is much more fish out of water than it is like evil person trying to take over. It definitely feels like she got yanked into the into the stage, did not really want to be there, did not know how to handle it, was not prepared for it, and then uh, had to slink back to her old job where people were probably very mean to her, I guess, but um, mean enough to quit. But um, yeah, is that how did you guys change? How did your opinion of her change from watching this? If it did or if it did not. I I kind of got because something that I thought was really interesting in this is going back to kind of the mythologizing mm-hmm. is the way that this almost reminds me of like Steve Bannon's like like John the Baptist to Jesus type of parable like like a follower of like people who follow John the Baptist like this guy's the Messiah and then Jesus shows up and John even John the Baptist is like no this guy is everyone follow him and like there's this thing about like you really see that he like wanted Sarah Palin to, like, kind of take the role that Trump later has, you know? Try to mark it and position her, and then just immediately jump ship. You know, I kind of thought that was really interesting. Like, I wonder if she has a... If she ever thinks, like, you know, I really probably could have been president if we had just done that, you know? Or another way to say this, I guess, is what you just said about how he jumped from John the Baptist, her, to Trump, is uh, Danny on Facebook said... Uh, it's weird to realize that Palin's biggest obstacle was too much political experience and public speaking skill. <laughs> it's kind of a surprise. We were not expecting that at this time. It does. It is kind of interesting that Bannon like saw this and then doubled down on the specific parts that are like not related to politics or skill. Yeah, I just think there's like it. It kind of perpetuates the myth that like because you're good at one political job you can do another one i i like yeah. there, we, we all sort of just think like oh okay mayor then governor then senator then president or vice president you know like that being good at one of those means you're going to be good at the other one and definitely there are skills that are transferable but I, I i have not done enough like any research to know whether she was actually a good mayor or governor but let's say she was well, that doesn't she's a good mayor because fred meyer is now in a right because yeah she got a friend Meyer so obviously she's the greatest mayor of all time and when she was governor of Alaska she had this plan to bring in multiple Fred Myers and had she finally been vice president Fred Meyer in every driveway and and if you don't know much about her as governor and mayor I have this documentary lying around (laughs) I can send you (laughs) really covers it thoroughly Yeah. Well, so I, I just, I, you know, she was. When you're talking about practical issues like marriage races, this is something I'm, I'm learning now because I used to do more like uh, state or national based politics, and now I'm kind of involved in like city based politics. And you can dodge questions a lot more easily on the national stage, but here it's like, should we have tree planter blocks on Fifth Avenue, or <laughs> should we, you know, or like, should we uh, upgrade this bridge that you drive or avoid every day? It's like practical things and having. Being a leader in those issues is not the same thing as as being able to speak to larger 
more polarizing, less tangible issues for in people's lives. Stephen, I appreciate she... you bringing up the planters on Fifth Avenue, but have I told you <laughs> my plan for death panels? Here's uh, what I think. They're related in a lot of ways. <laughs> no, it's it, it's exactly right. And she was only really skilled at speaking to um, a certain segment of the population and turned off a lot of other people, too. And, uh, you know, you can blame that on the left or on just the fact of what she believes in and the fact that she was trying to, I don't know. I, I, I see her, I, I, I in, in response to your specific question about like whether things have changed, I kind of, that's one thing that is new to me that I, I sort of realized uh, thinking about it this time. But also it, it I, I don't really have any sympathy for her whatsoever because I just feel like a lot of her, at least national policies are very mean-spirited and very, um, very, very horrible to a lot of people and she doesn't think about those consequences. But no right. one should have to hang out with Ted Nugent and Kid Rock. Right. You're right. She's been through a lot. You're right. Like that's you gotta feel bad for her at least there. Like that that's not a fun like car ride with those two months. Like <laughs> the footage of her begging not to be in the, the car with them. For sure. And no, and and like she definitely had a lot of sexism thrown her way, uh, and and everything like that. So I mean, sure, I can have some sympathy yeah. on some levels, but definitely like as far as whether she she wouldn't. I would not vote for her ever because I yeah. disagree with her, and I Man. think she's mean spirited. I do. I have. Hey, go ahead, Bree. I was going to ask Stephen just because I am uh, probably less politically versed than y'all. Um, what are her policies that you're referring to that are um, mean spirited? I'm sort of speaking generally as far as the. Uh, I think. Like anyone tea party who is, stuff. Yeah, I think anybody who is saying uh, w- limited government, I think, is a great idea, but I think has become codified, meaning let's cut social services or right. let's um, take uh, take away social safety net and yeah. take away those taxes. And I get where it's coming from in terms of wanting to lower the burden that the average person has to pay for the the government and to you know reduce government influence in our lives. But every time we do that, we're taking away something that our community uses in some way and. To just use the sort of like, we get government out of our lives rhetoric without thinking about, you know, that this helps old ladies eat or this is why we have good roads or why our kids are able to go to school. People for, forget about that. And it, I don't know. I so th- that's like what her, we're talking about. It's a little harder to do specific national policies because when you're campaigning for vice president, you don't really have to say anything right. specific, uh, just like we're yeah. just talking about with the planters. But like one of her famous things was she was one of the first people during the Obamacare discussion to talk about death panels and how oh. this Obamacare was going to just have a government panel to kill old people, which is not true. And there's actually there's a, a podcast interview that Bannon did where he praised Sarah for being the first one to pick up that lie. And, and like and he admits that it, he knows it's not true, but that it was a great pol- a great argument to make and credited her with coming up with that. So like that was a time where like there are people who are sick and needed health care. And she did a really good job of lying about what was in the bill to try to stop that mm. from happening. So I, yeah. it, it definitely feels like her interest is always in keeping people from getting things that they yeah. could use to survive. And at the end, you know, coming from like a point of view, the fact that this movie kind of ends with like giving her credit for the Tea Party, like uh, Senate and congressional sweeps. Yeah. In like 2010. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, like they're supposed to be triumphant. From, but from when I'm sitting, it's literally <laughs> like I'm watching a map and it's like, look at all this nightmare she helped unleash across this country. <laughs> here right. and here. And not just and for here. us, for, for a lot of people in the Republican Party yeah. where they pushed these uh, – districts so far to the right that now they can't even accomplish the plans that they want to like that's 
one of the things that's made it really hard for them to pass the legislation they want to the relief of people on the left, but to the frustration of people on the right is that it's so divided because they have these safe, very, very far right districts and they don't have to worry about compromising on anything. And they're like, I don't know about the rest of you, but like watching the rise of the alt-right toward the like uh, the last 20 minutes of this film yeah. is chilling as fuck, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and that kind of made me realize that I had definitely underestimated this person um sarah palin you know who whose rhetoric is like sort of the foundation of of breitbart and alt-right and that's why this film exists yeah totally totally and that's the yeah that's like it's the tea party and then the tea party slowly moves uh violent and racist and just Mm. pushes further and further but it's in there yeah yeah it's it's already you can hear the white supremacy language sort of exactly leaking out of her mouth and she's talking about alaska first alaska first and also you know i don't know about y'all it's just like hearing her be called the wasilla warrior and like a quick google search is like wasilla is like about the indigenous people there and like that's (laughs) gross to me you know i I just (laughs) yeah yeah. Pretty gross. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I, the juxtaposition of like the one Obama quote about the lack of how America is that like, he thinks about America and exceptionalism, the way that Greek people think about Greek exceptionalism yeah. versus her constantly saying American exceptionalism. Yeah. I thought that was really like striking to me. What a weird quote to play as like, man, what, what an idiot this guy is thinking other people also like their countries. Yeah, no, like I that know. was actually like a really like, and I I was I thought that was actually a very interesting quote and a, a very uh, cleverly put together quote that like I believe in American exceptionalism the way Greeks believe in Greek exceptionalism they probably do I yeah. haven't talked to that many but they seem like they probably like it there I know Canadians talk all the time about how it's the greatest country and they put gravy on shit like there's no way that's the greatest right but, like wait are you anti gravy well like. Yeah, some in some cases it's Whoa. too heavy. Not on, I mean I love gravy, Christ. but on but Steven, French Steven, we got to get off this podcast. There are different for thicknesses this. of gravy, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but on on French fries, which are already heavy, and the main function of French fries is crispiness. You're gonna Alex, s- stop! You're digging yourself a hole that oh, you'll never oh, yeah. get out of. Let's have not have condiments with French fries because it's supposed to be crispy, and we can't put we ketchup can't, on it because ketchup d- is liquid. The point you of ketchup is it's a last second addition. You don't let it sit in ketchup all day. Alex, listen to yourself. <laughs> is this the hill you're going to die on? <laughs> oh man, um, let me ask you guys another question that's less funny than that. Um, so the opening <laughs> montage features this all these uh, like at first a bunch of comedians saying stupid sexist shit about her, um, and I guess and the- Pam Anderson. What? And Pamela Anderson. Yeah, and Pamela Anderson. Uh, but yeah, it was like uh, Tracy Morgan said that he jerks off to her on a basketball <laughs> broadcast, which is a weird thing for him to do. Um, there was a bunch of stuff, and there were a bunch of people uh, saying terrible things about her kids. And um, I guess I feel like I felt like that. I mean, it felt bad. I, I do feel like that feels bad. And one of the ways I feel like it's clearly sexist is that it's a lot of the same language that was used with Hillary Clinton, so that it's clearly yeah. not related to what side of the aisle you're on this is just attacks on women um and it feels bad i feel like and i guess sort of what your point earlier Stephen, was that like i just i i do wish that more people uh had been had been more careful to make the arguments about how she had bad policies and wanted to hurt people and not about her children or about her hair or her looking yeah. like she wants to go shopping like that stuff sucks and there are so many really good arguments against her she was clearly unqualified for this job is a great one uh yeah. but i so that i did feel bad about that and i guess i hadn't 
maybe because I didn't hang out in those circles as much. I didn't feel that part when it was happening back in, in yeah. 2010. But now I uh, I don't I don't care but for it. Hasn't Steve Bannon and Andrew Breitbart and all these people, you know, they they've like this slide into complete lack of reasonable discourse in politics has been happening for so long. And like the fact that Steve Cannon and like Trump, I look at it like him <laughs> tweeting this morning, just random yeah. violent attacks, right? Yeah. Or vi- like viciously worded, just mean spirited attacks, right? It's like this is just where we are. So I, 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 while I get what you're saying, it's like every like Hillary Clinton's a good point. Like everyone gets it because that's just where discourse is on a national level. There is no real conversation really happening anywhere, you know. That's true. I, I guess I, I guess two thoughts on that. One is that I don't I don't actually think that our political discourse is worse than it's ever been. I mean, we had a civil war, so there was a time when we said some really nasty shit and also shot each other. So like we've always politics has always been pretty ugly. So I don't know if it's gotten like that much worse. It's just maybe it's more public or more constant. But it, I mean, you read like founding fathers' letters to each other; they were real assholes. Like yeah, we've said some shit forever. But then the other thing is like I I do think that that argument that's like sure, this stuff that they said about her was bad, but also look at the stuff that Donald Trump is saying is true, but that's sort of like the way Russia is like, sure, we kill our journalists, but don't think you're so innocent. Like, the, we, we should both stop doing things. Like, both sides should stop that. Yeah. And and just because Donald Trump is saying these terrible things about women on television, which he constantly, and women in, you know, all the time, does not mean Tracy Morgan should be saying dumb shit about Sarah Palin when there are so many good things to say about her. Or, uh, and uh, uh, Louis, right? Louis said some terrible shit in one of those clips. It was just, I was not that he, it was the first time he said terrible shit, but like, still, I was just embarrassed for him. So just because other people are doing it doesn't mean we should, like, this is okay, right? Yeah. I mean, did, I, it, I was, did this embarrass you guys? I guess as people who all like live around comedy, did the comedy part of this embarrass you? Uh, I mean, no, I not really. I feel like everybody should be able to shit on whoever they want in a degrading <laughs> and classless way, <laughs> and will do that forever. Really and I, I think that the the side I, I don't think that everyone should listen to those people like i don't listen to howard stern because right. i know he's going to say some sexist shit yeah. but i you know agree that he deserves a space to spew that garbage and you know just like people on the right should but um or is he on the right i don't really know like i said <laughs> i'm not listening but um but i think the the more sophisticated conversations right the c span the the I don't know Charlie Rose is he a political? You did you named two very classy conversations C-SPAN uh, and Charlie I Rose. You want those conversations to be more elegant and and uh, you know articulate and and you want people to listen to those, but pe- but the public just doesn't. And you know yeah. I think that's that's the issue is is that we're really not a civically minded country. Um, and you know possibly that's changing, but yeah, um, yeah we'll see. I, I will. I, I think that's right. And I, I will also say, uh, and I apologize because in political shows like this, I, I am aggressively not funny. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, you, you, know, you have yeah, the I'm, thing about gravy. You're fine. Okay, <laughs> it's <laughs> a balance. It's carrying me through this. Um, I uh, don't. I, I'm always hesitant to like both sides this argument, you know, a little bit. Mm. And I definitely, you know, but there was definitely sexism on both sides, and it, it's a problem. Um, but for me, where, where what really comes down to is sort of like the, um, I, I 
it, it is it's harsh but like kind of lying about policies and yeah. stuff like that no, and that's undoubtedly. when the tea party movement i was working in uh, in or around congress at the time when healthcare was was happening and it was like the death panels it was a known lie like pe- republicans were lying because then they were firing up their constituents and the tea party with straight up lies about a bill that was actually pretty helpful and did a lot of improvements mm-hmm. and even now i mean with donald trump being unable to admit basic facts and things like that like i do think that one side of the aisle here does have a bigger problem just like straight up telling the truth and would rather sort of tap into anger and that kind of thing i don't really see that as much on the other side and that's kind of the difference for me i do think you're being a little vague about your jobs in politics which i think is fair but i just want to tell everybody uh steven for eight years was the junior senator from missouri so i just want <laughs> yeah. you guys to know in case that was, yeah. you're trying to figure out what he what his role was he was a yeah he's briefly a senator look under up, a different right? name under the name um Roy Blunt. Roy Blunt. Roy Blunt. I'm a Republican senator from Missouri. <laughs> uh, I, I I think that's that's probably true. I also think in that that embarrassing clips at the beginning, uh, there are like a couple of things that really did make me cringe. But then there were a lot of insults on Facebook comments that they were showing. Which, if your <laughs> argument is like people are mean on Facebook comments, like. You're not winning anymore. I've had, I mean, I had, uh, Brie, you've had this too, right? Like, I've had people wish me death. I had a guy told me that he uh, hoped I'd text and drove uh, because I wrote that the iPhone 5 looked a lot like the, or the iPhone 6 looked a lot like the iPhone 5. Like, (laughs) it happens all the time. People on the internet are monsters. That's true. So, I don't. People are just pretty generally terrible. Yeah. Well, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. That's the end. That was the end. Oh, but, I mean, doesn't, like. Okay, I kept thinking this, like, the whole movie, especially the opening with that is, like, who the fuck is this movie for, right? Because it's, well, yeah. it's, not, it's not going to convert anybody who's, like, not, like, the weirdest on-the-fence person or people who are already drinking the Kool-Aid. So it's, like, that stuff is there to, like, get people angry at the beginning, right, who, like, just already have a pre-set-up attachment to it, to her, I think. Because, I don't know, like, a lot of things in this movie, like, they're kind of interesting in a vacuum, but, like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, I heard this was, like, an informative documentary about this person I've never heard about. I have a thought. Yeah. I think it is for uh, people who backed McCain-Palin, right? And it was a way to get those people pissed off with the GOP and funnel that into this new alt-right movement this is like planting the seeds which would slowly grow in fast motion under the sun uh you know to build this movement and and you know i think it's actually you know pretty effective because i'm trying to think of you know you put yourself in this in the shoes of those people like that are super disillusioned hate obama for probably racist reasons Mm -hmm. and need somewhere to put that energy yeah and i think it's like he could have just put this up on YouTube because this looks like a YouTube documentary. It does. Man, it but looks he the like, most like YouTube. He charged for this. He put this in a theatrical. Like you don't do that unless you're looking to like make money because no one's gonna well, see it otherwise. Well, like, but this- he's also got uh, Hollywood aspirations or had Hollywood right. aspirations yeah. before his political career. Right? He was trying to be a filmmaker, and I think that this is like a culmination of both of his missions, which is like. 
his ego and his like weird political niche market. He also like and, showed and, it in like twelve theaters, so it was but, not that ambitious. Was this also like a small release? Like it only got released in New York and L.A. Then he was like, "I wonder why he didn't do well." Uh, oh, but, we got to show it to real America first. Yeah, we yeah, got, we, oh, shit, we, we only showed it to Jews. We, <laughs> we we grow some good moviegoers in our small towns. Uh, the other thing is like the niche audience here is the Republican primary voters. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. Like, he, he picked a horse and he, you know, this, this is a good way. It's, it's, I think he probably knew it wasn't going to go beyond that niche, but you know, if you pick a candidate and she got in, it would, it would help swing some votes to her side probably. So I, li- I like to think he just got Andrew going off about Unix one day and was like, there's a movie in this. I, I need a, I need a rapper for this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have just really quick before we go on this segment. I do want to talk a little bit more about the filmmaking because this is a remarkably bad piece of filmmaking. So not only is the audio from her audiobook, but it's also cut badly. Yeah, aggressively. Like, wasn't it unnerving? The to you, was it unnerving to you guys the way the audio cut and the way the video? Like, it's it was amazingly bad. The uh, the talking heads, uh, like. That kind of like cheap 90s, like give it attitude feeling of shooting one camera locked down in color and then another in black and white that like zooms <laughs> in and out real fast. Yeah. Like to uh-huh. accentuate. It's like a real cheap, like you saw that like in 90s, like, yo, kids, do you like drugs? <laughs> you shouldn't. And then it would like cut in, like, it was that kind of style. Like, it was that, like, yeah. That I was big- like, is Andrew Breitbart here to tell me to stop smoking? <laughs> <laughs> That's aggressive. And the stock footage is so bad. Let me, let me give you guys an example that I noticed. Um, so at one point, she's reading from her book, obviously, about how right after she got elected governor, and she's like, ordinary Alaskans were expressing outrage at what was going on in Juneau. So over that, or that is over um, a crowd shot of angry people yelling, you know, those are presumably the ordinary Alaskans who are upset about what's going on in Juneau, except it looks kind of like they're at a sporting event, and then one of the women right in front of the camera clearly mouths the word, pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's the film right there. It's just an That's audiobook so and then like a, an unrelated, but like you can see how the Google search might have gotten him to that clip. Yeah. He's you like, know you can tell like stock footage. It, like it just oh, like yeah, instantly. everything yeah. has a sheen and like that's what half this movie Yeah, it just looks a little so. too, yeah, everything's a little too clean and a little bit unspecific. Yeah, it's like rich like guy getting off a there. jet, dollars dollars flush down a toilet. It's like an Ed Wood movie. Like he just yeah. started with the footage he had, and then it was like, okay, how do I massage this and shooting yeah. as little as I can yeah. to fill in Story stock in footage? You know. Oh, the f- I think my favorite part of the footage was when she talked about quitting. Uh, we was talking about how she was under attack, and it was showing literally earthquakes and like trucks yeah. falling into the river, yeah. and then <laughs> volcanoes. And then one is like 3D CG arrows being shot at the camera. Just a thousand of them. There was a sniper. I wonder if there's like subliminal messages in this film that we should. It's very bliminal. I think yeah. every bit of it is just front and center <laughs> bliminal messaging. Well, I, I don't know about well, you, how. How did you all watch this? Like I watched this on like my, my television. But I have a very large television, and I didn't want to look directly at it because I thought I'd be like, sure. looking at the sun or something. So I like I played a video game kind of on a handheld and just kind of <laughs> looked up and down. Like I didn't ever want to stare because I felt like you know like this is the type of movie like if you stare into it, it kind of stares into you. You know, <laughs> so like kind of made me uncomfortable. 
Um, I unfortunately watched it on my phone sleepily in bed. Oh. So it's sort of, so I kind of do- was dozing and it sort of infiltrated my dreams. Oh, no. And that's that's the worst. That's why it's subliminal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why you it's subliminal. You let him I'm inception to, you. I'm trying to yeah. figure out what um, brainwashing like of myself I can do. To like get that out of my sit, like what's the ultimate palate cleanser after that? So we watched last week. We watched the show called Bubble Guppies, which is uh, <laughs> these tiny mer people who are learning very basic facts about the Earth. It's a kids show, and it's got really catchy songs. And there's this song about bones, how they have bones under their skin that I really like. So I would recommend searching for Bubble Guppies, bunch of bones, and listening Will to that do. song. Thanks, Alex. It I turns think... out we all got bones okay. under our skin. Otherwise, we wouldn't have elbows. I think you should just imagine sure. Steve Bannon in a very nice suit doing scenes from Inception in your mind. <laughs> like, the image of Steve Bannon, like, on a rotating hallway as he, like, tries to get... Some sort of snowmobile head. fight. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that's a good palate cleanser. That kind of makes me laugh. It is, yeah. You can't stare directly at it. That def- I was, like, yeah. I d- kept having to look away. If I looked right at yeah. it, it was very Mine unsettling. Was, uh, on my two screen setup, it was on my second screen. Yeah, I did that, that too. Not, I don't get yeah. to. I'm not going to brag like Anthony about having a huge TV, but oh yeah, <laughs> and or a handheld team. That's nice. <laughs> it's you guys don't know this because you don't, uh, or at least Stephen, you don't know this because you don't hang out with Anthony as often. But literally every story he tells, he mentions his huge TV. So yeah, like, man, I had these tacos for lunch. I have this huge TV at home, but I was at a taco place and I was eating. I, how- I mean, how big I, is it? I mostly tell people how many K's it has because that's kind of the <laughs> one. You have one of those four I'm carat with, TVs. Yeah, no, I I don't actually have. I I just I I just I sit close to my TV and it looks bigger. I don't know. I have an okay size TV. <laughs> well, the story is unraveling. I have a small TV, yeah, but I hold it real close to my face. Oh sure. <laughs> my handheld game looks like it's a thousand feet across. <laughs> <laughs> We're going in the lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Here we go. We're going to shit up. All right. So really quick, I want to play the game of, uh, for lightning bonus round, our, our mm-hmm. closing segment, I want to play the game of evil, stupid, or crazy. So this, okay. this is a game we've played. We've talked about before, um, a game in the loosest sense. But what I, I like to figure out with people who I disagree with, uh, I like to figure out who I very much disagree with, which of these three categories they inhabit the most. So evil, stupid, and crazy. And by that, what I mean the difference here is um, someone who's uh, evil knows that what they're doing is wrong but does it anyway because it benefits them a a stupid person doesn't know anything and a crazy so they do whatever and a crazy person is convinced of the like believes what they're saying but it's just not reality so they're very confident about uh the world and that in their world even their decisions make correct sense but that's not the actual world so um, either they know that they're wrong, but they do it anyway. They don't know anything, or they think they're right. They're just not. So evil, stupid, Wait, what's, crazy. What's stupid again? They don't know anything. Okay. So, but are they acting on their nothing? So yeah, I guess in in my vision of this, stupid is like uh, like yeah, they bounce around more because they just don't know whether okay. they're doing it or not. So um, yeah, I and obviously all of these you know this is a Venn diagram. There are circles overlapping all circles. There's definitely people who have multiple shades, but. Um, I guess let's. Where do you feel like Steve Bannon falls into this trichotomy? Uh, I crazy. Th- yeah, crazy. Steve Bannon to me comes off as like a true believer, right? He is someone mm-hmm. who like actually believes he is a person of note in history who is fighting in like an important time in a holy war type of guy. You know, that's. But how I he- also think he's evil, like evil crazy, because. Yeah. 
he seems to take like like that thing you said of of there's like like a secret tape of him saying like the death panels yeah, are probably yeah. not correct yeah, yeah. But not a it's secret working. tape a public podcast just not a lot of listeners sure <laughs> sure but so I like, like everything on this show tape. is a, is a thing we're saying <laughs> in secret tapes <laughs> it's a secret if nobody cares about it yeah, exactly <laughs> Yeah, I think when it comes to, uh, you know, I'm inclined to say generally crazy, but I think there's certain things where, uh, like, the, I think, like, the Muslim ban, uh, h- supposedly him and uh, the other guy, I forget his name, in the White House are the architects of that. And, like, that's just, like, straight up believing that a, a, a person who has brown skin doesn't have as much value towards life as the white person. So, you know, yeah. Like, that's, so that's evil. I guess this is the main, main question for me with him is whether he's a true believer. Because I feel like in that case as well, in the travel ban as well... I guess the question is, does he think the travel ban would help make America safer because of his oh, racism? Oh, I think he does. Or, yeah. like, or is he like, I know this won't help, I, I'm do- but I'm doing this because it'll be popular among our base. I guess that, oh. so the popular among our base, but I don't believe it, is the evil to me. And crazy mm. is he is genuinely racist. You can listen mm. to him talk about Islam and the listen to him talk about this idea of, like, the West needs to defend itself or it's going to fall forever. Like, he... The way he frames it, he always has like this really extreme. It comes off to me, at least, as like a very extreme view that he he's not just doing it to go to the base. I think he like thinks he's like a twelfth dimensional chess player and is yeah. spinning all these plates. But I think that's a lot of it because he like really believes that this is like an important thing he's doing. You know? Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think definitely he feels more crazy to me than evil or stupid. And I sort of feel like with like what he likes in a pawn is more straight up stupid because i feel like like i feel like that that whole 12 dimensional chess which keeps getting talked about with uh with the president just seems unlikely to me i feel like he's more of a checkers kind of dude yeah and uh i feel like and like cheats just makes up rules and like yeah no you don't get two pieces back if you get to my end no no no, that's what happens to checkers (laughs) yeah yeah and and i guess with him it feels like with the president it feels like mostly stupid to me in that it doesn't feel like he's got a long-term plan it doesn't feel like he's got a secret thing he's not telling you because it feels like he just tells you everything he thinks. He's just not super smart. And so, like, there's definitely little hints of evil and crazy, but I feel like mostly he just seems stupid. And Bannon is just crazy. And that's why they work well together. Is because he's, like, dumb enough to believe things Bannon tells him because Bannon says them confidently and then it worked, kind of. Hey, like John and Paul, you know? They have the same kind of dynamic. Do you mean the Beatles or the yeah. uh, the followers <laughs> yeah. of Jesus? No, I meant. Oh, I meant the Beatles. Or the one pope. Or oh, the one pope. <laughs> it's like the two sides of one pope. Uh, I I think Sarah's maybe a harder question in here because I feel like it seems like one thing I, I, I nope stupid no okay okay I I guess I felt like she felt conf- like competent in small worlds like I feel like she may have been a great Wasilla mayor because it she knew all of the things about it and then in governor it seemed like she knew fewer of the things involved and she did not do as good of a job and then on the national stage she didn't know any of the things involved and did nothing um sarah palin kind of has like a stupid that turned evil like seems like she got taken for a ride the first time and then quickly got her sea legs under (laughs) and are like okay i'm not going to like I now like realize, oh, I can make money doing these books. I can get TV shows. I can be on right. Fox News all the time. Like, this is my life now. I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I'm gonna push this shitty agenda because it will make me money and consistent. It seems like yeah. She's why? Like, why would I run for president and have people be mean to my kids on Facebook when I can just make a hundred thousand dollars per speaking engagement 
to get flown around the country and be a rich person I, I, talking. I, I think that's why I find the title of this movie be so funny because, like, to me, her defeat is what really defines her, and I think she's really fueled by, like, trying to get back at the people who defeated her in whatever way that means. Yeah, know? yeah. Petty revenge is how one stays truly undefeated. <laughs> that's what I've always said. Uh, I guess for evil, trying to find somebody who's evil is a little harder in this movie, maybe, but I feel like... Uh, current day i'm leaning towards some like maybe like a paul ryan who um is clearly not stupid and who um said a lot of things before the election that was like showed that he was on the right side of certain issues and then now he's saying the opposite because he wants power he's using the power and he's trying to like negotiate with people that feels more evil like I, he feels like someone who knows that what he's doing is wrong but it's useful to him Kellyanne Conway comes off to me as like one of the most evil people. Someone who's yeah. straight up doing yeah. a job and will say yeah. anything and is going to get ahead and work on another presidential campaign and just doesn't give a f- believe in anything she says. Just cash and paychecks. I, I agree. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Sean true. Spicer is the same way actually too, yeah. where they they sort of know and they're saying off the record to reporters like well, this is ridiculous, but they still do it anyway. It's like. Yeah, that's that's, period. that's an interesting one. Yeah, I feel like with Spicer, it's sort of hard to tell because he also seems like he's not the brightest, and he might like <laughs> be like, like it feels. I don't know, man. Spicer is such an interesting. I can't wait for his book in ten years where he gets to tell the truth of what's happening because I would love to know if he knows, and like the off the record what he's telling reporters like is definitely a helpful hint at that, but also could be manipulative. I don't know. I, what, it could be, but it's yeah. I just okay. love the like the story of Sean Spicer. It's like you think of like his first time out. You know, he came out and he yelled at the press about facts. You know, yeah. and about yeah, photos. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if he really thought like this. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna be a hoed ass every day, and just immediately cratered. Right, just immediately like came I mean- out was very aggressive everyone was like dude chill it and he was like came back and he's just like okay i just want to be like now but yeah like that <laughs> yeah that's that that thing like it feels like there's a bit of like almost a lovable dumb inside him <laughs> yeah. i feel like there's a lovable dumb dumb sean spicer somewhere and i would love to hang out with that guy and just be <laughs> like i'm sorry he's he was gonna fire me if I didn't yell. And yeah, like, but then you get fired because that's what evil is. <laughs> have you like, been fired? I've never been fired, and I would not care for. No, it. but I've never been asked to lie. <laughs> oh, and and then I, I also, don't I've definitely been fired. I... I forgot about that. Sorry. Oh really? Yeah. From where? Uh, office was it for Max. Lying? Were you asked to what? lie about uh, the number of people in an office, Max? <laughs> <laughs> It was this the is most the best popular crowd we've ever had for the paperclip sale. <laughs> Huge no number other... of people in here for ink. Everyone wanted ink that day. Uh, yeah, it's weird. To, I, I hate when I say something really confidently and then immediately like, "Oh man, I sure that was the opposite." Yeah, that was you don't 100% want wrong. you know the political facts fact checking this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And posting a thing how you lied about being fired. <laughs> All right, uh, if you guys, I want more nominees for evil, stupid, and crazy. So go to our Facebook page or Twitter or uh, emails podcast at readeshweep.com and give me if you can three people who you think evil, stupid, and crazy. I would politicians or it could be like uh, movie characters. I just want to help like really define these categories. I think it's really fun. Um, now it's time for the minor compliments. So we're gonna go in reverse order. Anthony, one more nice thing I need you to say about Sarah Palin, the undefeated. Ah. Uh. Oh boy, uh, you gotta at least have one more nice one. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I did a joke, fake second compliment for the mummy, so I'm not gonna do that. Oh, so yeah. I'm gonna come up with a good one here. Um, okay. You know, uh, 
I feel like uh, I was blind, but now I see. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, do, do... I do think it would be fun to do an episode one time where we were like really surprisingly on the side of... <laughs> Like, man, I don't know. I really was persuaded by this. You know, it checks out. I crunched the numbers, and it all makes sense. Yeah, remember that graph that showed where uh, after she joined the campaign, uh, her numbers skyrocketed past Obama? Yeah. I would yeah. love to see what the meat buddies would <laughs> do if you just, like, totally changed your Hard personality right and position. Uh, like, what the theories would be. It would be okay. fun. Actually, Alex, I, I, what you just mentioned, that's what I want to compliment. That fucking graph. <laughs> that they that they do this remarkable. thing. They do and they cut back to it like ten times. It's fucking crazy. So they have this thing. It was like Sarah Palin entered the trail and John McCain was behind, and he's sort of going up points. And they're doing this like graph over days of like his popularity. But the thing is, he they never surpass Obama in no. it. He always just like stays behind. Yeah, so they're, and they're showing graph... like explosion gra- things over the graph. Like they're just putting all of this energy and all this music and it's like Obama 49, McCain 43. Like, whoa, very exciting. <laughs> and it's, and just... it's also the convention that happens every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And also the uh the numbers uh toward the end of the campaign were exactly what they were right before she joined. Uh so it seems <laughs> like in the long run no. But it's Change. it's like you know how like sports movies they do the montage of like the team starts to win and you see yeah, them winning yeah, yeah. a lot. It would be like if they did that but the team just consistently tied, right? Just consistently <laughs> lost or scored. It's like why are you showing me this in a like an action montage? This is Oh, they also had said so when she won the mayoral race 75 to 25, they called it a landslide. And then when she won the governor's race by 3 points, they also called that a landslide. <laughs> and so then when that. McCain was down six points to Obama, they referred to it as explosive. And I feel like that's the that's where this this Trump idea comes from, where it was like lost by three million votes in a landslide. Like and like they just you keep you just call whatever the victory or loss is a landslide. It's just part of their thing, is like everything's a landslide. I got twelve cents back on this uh, for change when I bought a play per clip and it was a landslide. It just feels like they said it anything. They, you put a Fleetwood Mac song on that's not landslide, and they're like, "This is landslide." And you're like, "God damn it, Steve! This is the change. This is not landslide. It's got a much more groovier baseline." Okay, so my minor compliment. I have two, and they're both pretty weak. But first of all, one my major my minor compliment is to one is to Sarah for not being involved in the film. Great decision. Shows a lot of heart. <laughs> And number two, the film was so bad, but the it, it was uh, the the version we had was broken in the middle. It, it had a cutoff, and I used that. I had been putting off this movie for a while. I was in it. I was hating it. So when it paused, I took a break to clean the toilet, and that really needed to get done. It had been a while, and it's, it did not smell great. And I think I did a pretty thorough job, and it was way better. I mean that, and that that the movie helped me a lot. It really. All right. Anyway, that's my two <laughs> fake minor compliments. Bree, what's your minor compliment? Oh, what a relief. I get to clean the toilet now <laughs> and take a break from this shitty movie. Never had that before. What? I mean, that could be, honestly, the best marketing for this movie that exists. It'll make cleaning your toilet. Well, also, it's kind of weird, but I have a huge toilet when I sit close to it. <laughs> I can see Russia from my toilet. Okay. Um, I have to compliment Sarah's amazing lapel pin game. Uh, Best in the biz, you know? And also, she's not a man, so she can put some big-ass 
uh, American flags on there. They don't have She's to be bigger lapels, small, yeah. big brooches. You know, yeah. I love it. I speaking this is of a big brooches, part of, of politics now for yeah, gonna, for women running. I was running thinking it. about this the other day. Pins is that? Yeah. Because I remember like nine eleven being the thing that like you had to wear a pin as a after that everyone had to wear a flag pin. Yeah, there was a yeah. Yeah. That's when that started. Like they were they've been things before, but this idea of like if you're not obviously wearing like if you if you show up to politics without your America name tag, how are we gonna know what country (laughs) you believe in? You know. Yeah. It's clear, yeah. It, like you, can, that's how when people who do hate America, and there are a bunch of a bunch of them in, in politics that are like secretly infiltrating, and the way they signal to each other, empty lapels, that's their main way of communicating. So, if you see that, you know, secretly evil. Then they lean in and say Hell Hydra. <laughs> yeah, that's also a giveaway. Yeah, it's also uh, a giveaway. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like the brooches, like they they do feel like they're getting they've gotten bigger in the last few years, and I'm slightly concerned that they're eventually going to be so heavy they're going to pull down your lapel. No, it's, I just I'm afraid of this like escalation. It's like an arms race on the lapel, don't you think? Nobody yeah. thinks. All right, uh, that's fine. Uh, Steven, minor compliment. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to think if I have a better one than the one I originally had, but I don't think I do. Um, uh, I guess my compliment is that, uh, this, I, I didn't watch this the first time you, you looked at it, right. but so this is my first experience with it. Yeah. And it's actually like, it, it's hard to watch, but at the same time, it's actually pretty fucking hilarious yeah. <laughs> because of just, you know, what happened and how this is totally like just a waste of time and resources to set Sarah Palin up for a run in 2012 that she right. didn't end up doing. Right. So it ends with like game on Mr. President. <laughs> it's like very dramatic rise. And it's like fucking nothing. That is <laughs> so awesome. it's, it's very funny in retrospect, like how much polish, well, I'm not polished, but you know how attempted polish this had to make her image and that it went nowhere. And now she like, even when she endorsed Donald Trump in the last race, like Donald Trump was even like, who, who the fuck, what the fuck is she saying? Right now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we watched this in 2012, we were pretty sure she was not running. Cause it was like April at that point. It seemed like she would have been running, yeah. but it still was not as funny as now. when we're like, well, remember how we haven't heard of her since this movie came out. Right. Didn't it, she have just... a reality show or something? So she had she a reality did. show right after this that came out in like May or June of 2012. And which we watched called Sarah Palin's Alaska. And I watched that. Yeah. Alaska is quite beautiful. It really does portray it, yeah. a great state. It, 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 honestly, yeah. It was somewhat watchable because of that. It was so yeah. bad. It was like Sarah Palin and her husband try to catch a fish, and then they go for a walk in the woods, and look at us on this airplane. And it was really bizarre. I, uh, and then the only th- other thing I remember about her is that she was involved in like a house party that went crazy because her and her... like. Her kids were like shooting guns and starting fights oh, and stuff. Yeah. Really? I don't remember that. Do you remember that? that. We wrote about it for that, the talk yeah. show, Alex. Oh, did we really? Yeah, yeah. it's been a minute. Uh, Sarah Palin's family brawl. Photos reveal track and Bristol's injuries. Yeah, track. <laughs> I do enjoy her kids' names. I love her kids' names. Why didn't they focus on that more? <laughs> yeah, I like. I like Trig, Trig Track, Trip Willow. Uh, yeah, I track is I think this is actually a really cute kid's names. Kid's name, I, I enjoy that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny to me that this is. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think the thing about her quitting governor was also unintentionally hilarious because trying to spin completely. that into like a really strong maneuver where she's like, yeah. people were so mean to me and like that's not normally part of public office. And I just, <laughs> I thought the best thing for the state would be if I left because then they wouldn't have anyone to be mean to. Like it, it felt like she was like taking her ball and like, you'll have no one to kick around without old Palin out of the way. And then. <laughs> I know. It's, it's... Wouldn't it have been great if, if it was just like honesty and it was just like. If Sarah just come out and be like, I want them fat stacks, yo. I got a taste of the yeah. big life. Alaska, you ain't nothing to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to keep her in Alaska once she's tasted the continental United States? <laughs> mm. All right. All right. If you think uh, Fred gonna... Myers is super fancy. Just imagine when she saw, oh like, God's Trump. Yeah. Right? <laughs> she saw, like, a, a Whole Foods and just lost her mind. <laughs> It's like Fred Meyer, but they clean up the aisles. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are you attacking Fred Meyer? No, Fred Meyer's fine. Lot. But I would say most of my adolescence was spent in the electronic section of a Fred Meyer. Well, I would never want to talk badly about a thing that was so formative to that part of you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, that's it for our show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Bree, we got to say goodbye because you're taking off. So uh, yes. I'm going to do a longer out- outro. But thank you so much for being here at Bree Pruitt. You're the best. Have fun on the other podcast. Bye, Thanks. Bree. Thanks. All right. Uh, and and Bree, just between the two of us, hit stop uh, and export that files a wave and send it to me tonight or tomorrow if you can. Will do. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Um, all right. So that is it for our show. Uh, we Next week, we're back talking about Wild Animus by Rich oh, Shapiro. God. I know. Who 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 do you have reading this? Uh, Anthony's gonna do it. Um, the the booking is uh, Ezra's doing it again, and we have a, okay. a fourth guest uh, TBD. I have a couple people. I, I have to say, uh, of all the things I've ever I read or watched for this, that was one hundred percent the worst. Yeah, it's definitely the worst. So Wild <laughs> Animus, you remember? Wild Animus is was our first ever sponsorship, and it was uh, early on in sponsorships. People had this idea that it would be fun to try to find the worst thing ever, and the first person won. So, yeah, we're doing Wild Animus again. Hugely popular among the Meat Buddy vote. And I, uh, ugh, It was so bad. I would just remember, like, have it every time be like, no, this is the worst, no, this is the worst. So that, like, then when I got to that one, it was like, this is literally, it was it was painful. I would rather oh, yeah. have surgery. <laughs> I mean, definitely most surgeries. Uh, y- yeah. Would you rather become a eunuch? If it was, if I had to listen to Wild Animus every day or like every week, I would probably rather have my balls. Right, right. Like yeah. every time you were going to use your balls, instead it's replaced by listening to Rich Shapiro. <laughs> wow. Wait. Okay, hold on. So, uh, so, hold on. So to get it is unclear what I meant by that. <laughs> yeah. So to perform a sexual act, I have to first listen to Wild Animus for about a half hour. Or, or you can show I your just balls. Cut off balls and. I'm out of the game. Yeah. It's like a Viagra, but for audio <laughs> sound. You're like, hey, right. excuse me, just chill here. I'm going to be in the bathroom. I'm going to go take something. I'll yeah, be back so in 20 minutes. The worst part yeah. of this is that after a while, you get kind of used to it, uh-huh. and you couldn't perform without it, without uh, the sweet, yeah. soothing sounds of Rick Shapiro, descri- or of, uh, what's his name, uh, Coyote, who's the audiobook reader, like Rick Coyote or something. Anyway, um Johnny Coyote, without the sweet sounds of Mr. Coyote whispering about acid into your ear, you can't get 
get it up. That would be a weird life. Yeah, I, uh, I choose late balls. Also. Or even weirder, <laughs> at one point, it's been a little while, but you wake up and you you didn't realize it, but your girlfriend had put the speaker with Rich Shapiro right next to your head as you were sleeping. So you wake up uh, and it's like, go time. Yeah. That's her oh. like, fun way of letting you know. Okay, well, you figured out a good way out of this. So that's good. <laughs> It's easily one of the worst things we've ever done. There have been some other things that were as uncomfortable, but I don't know if we've ever done anything as bad as that original feeling. I don't think I experienced anything. I don't know. Well, I mean, there are, there are worse books. Like, Ghost is sure. the worst book, and that, right. but that's more evil, and this is more just uh, inane and terrible. Um, yeah, and I skipped out on that one, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to jog your memories uh, at home, so he, this is a, a guy who wrote this book a, a while ago. Uh, he made a bunch of money in tech, and so he would just print tens of thousands of copies of his own book that no one wanted and give them away at colleges. And he still does. So every once in a while, college kids would like wake up and there's a copy of Wild Animus on their doorstep. It's really strange. Um, also, my favorite fact about this, which we'll definitely talk about more next week, but if you go on Amazon right now and you wanted to buy one, which you should, but if you look, there are, uh, there are many, many copies from 10 cents new or from 15 cents used. Meaning... <laughs> it increases in value fifty percent if literally anyone touches it. Wow, isn't that amazing? That is a bizarre world. It it's almost yeah. kind of beautiful. What if everything went up fifty percent if someone touched? If it? someone touched it, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, that is, I like that. Maybe That's... it's like we just hate packaging so much. It's like if someone takes this out of the shrink wrap, they've earned fifty percent more. I, I think maybe it's just because like once you've touched it. You kind of uh, owed a little bit more. It's really more of like the opposite of paying it forward. Oh, yeah. Like this book took an extra five cents out of me, so I'm going to get that out of you, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it yeah. is so bad. I'm so miserable. I just got an email from Ezra a little while ago that was, it was called One Hour In, and it just said fuck, but with a lot of use. Um, so <laughs> I'm it's, very excited to... Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, it's it's bad. Well, one thing that I thought of maybe too late, kind of late in the booking process, is it, it would be fun to have someone on who's done a lot of acid. So mm. uh, I, it, it, I'm gonna try to do that. If we can pull that off, I think that'll be really fun to talk to somebody who really knows uh, if this is a good portrayal of what it's like to do acid and dress like like a sheep, and then fall to death at your death in a canyon. Which I know sounds like a spoiler, but it's literally the opening of the sh- of the book is like, well, we see his dead body down there. Gotta go, chop her out. And then the rest of the book is like him doing acid and getting leading up to that point, which like sometimes it's like cool Tarantino style, but sometimes it's like, oh, he just dies. Yeah, who cares? We already know that. Hard to get excited. It's about also journey. written in such a way that you can't actually understand anything that's happening. It doesn't make any it's sense. So oh, also yeah. fun fact: since we re- originally read it, Stephen, now you can get the audiobook, or for free, you can get the Rick Shapiro app. And you can mm. listen to the audiobook with his original paintings and original music all right there in one interactive experience available on Google Play and uh, the Apple Store. You know I love multimedia, right? You know what? I, I love uh, when you click to download an app and it's like, just so you know, this is very, very large and you probably don't want it on your phone. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a book, right? Actually, it's all three <laughs> of his books. Anyway, uh, so that's next week. Come back for that. Um, real quick, uh, for our corrections department this week, I just want to read something, uh, a, a Facebook comment that I guess is sort of a correction of, of something we talked about last week. Um, and I just want you guys' take on this real fast. So Sam, one of our meat buddies, Sam, wrote in and said, uh, I'm always confused when Alex makes a self-deprecating comment about him being unlikable on the show. 
when he not only made a likable podcast, but seems to have a ton of friends who are willing to spend time with him, even if they have to read or watch things they hate. Love yourself more, Alex. So I want to check in with you guys and just see, logically, does it follow that if one has a podcast people like and can convince people to read bad books, does that mean he is ergo likable? I mean, so, uh, go ahead. Uh, I guess I would start with the podcast people like. A lot of people seem to like Adam Carolla's podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, a him. Super, he's a total piece of shit. Good point. Yeah, exactly. So, so no on the first one. Uh, I'm going to address a different point he made, which is like, you should love yourself more. That's always just good. Yeah, that's uh, probably good advice. Good practice. Sorry, is Sam a, Sam a man or woman? Uh, this is, I, uh, uh, I believe this is Sam man, but I didn't ask for okay. pronouns for this one because it's just a Facebook comment. Right. Well, apologies. Also, Sam uh, has man then, in the in the, in his last name, so I think that's enough. Okay, then that's what I'm referring to. Um, and then uh, the the other one, I would say probably true that people will like you enough to hang out with you, but also you're forgetting the the, the that sweet self promotion that people love. To yeah, do I was gonna say I've done a lot podcast of podcasts too. where I specifically dislike the host. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but I've done a few. And I would say, I say yes to a lot of podcasts that I probably shouldn't. And so I don't think that means a ton. People like promoting themselves, especially comics. I, yeah. I guess my other point, and this is more, Stephen, you know more about this, I guess, than Anthony does because of your timing on the show. But Ezra is infinitely more likable than me. And I do feel like a lot of our guests are here because they like Ezra, not because of me. Well, here's the thing. I've, one, I think you're, that you're very likable, so let's start I there. did not but mean two, for this to be about that, but thank you. I, I know, but Ezra is basically the most likable human being I know. in the entire universe. I know, it's crazy. That's like saying, yeah, that's like saying, uh, are you uh, are you as fancy as uh, the Pope? That, that was the first That was the best you could do? <laughs> that was the best I could Ezra do. Ezra is the, uh, um, the Shawshank Redemption film of people. Like, just, mm-hmm. I've never heard someone say something bad about that guy. Yeah, that's true. Unless they were trying to be a real troll. But normally, yeah. no one would ever say anything bad about him. He, yeah. he is... Um... I mean, other than that, he's racist, but yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. That's a statement of fact. Yeah. No, I, w- I wish I wish he was so that it would feel more Me balanced too. in the universe. And if he was, people would still like him. That's the fucked up thing. I know. People, he would. He could be a real force for bad in this world if he wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's like uh, Superman. You know, you don't want him turning evil. He's gonna, yeah, be, yeah. Got to be happy. He's exactly. on our side. Oh you know? man. Oh, someone should write like the Red Sun version of it. Yeah, Bizarro <laughs> Ezra. Oh God. Oh, that'd be so bad. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for writing in, Sam. Uh, I think we've largely myth-busted on that. So your logic is not entirely true, but yeah. I will try to love myself more. It was a very I mean, I was going to just say I'm solely here for the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so uh, thanks for writing in. Please write us in Facebook, Twitter, and email podcast at readdashweep.com. And if you want to vote on our uh, topic for next for two weeks from now, go to readdashweep.com slash buddies. Even a small donation would make a huge difference to us, so we really appreciate that. And you get to vote. Thanks, at Anthony Lopez, part two, for being here. Thanks. I, I do want to say, uh, usually doing this show, uh, we kind of do things. That I feel like I've had a very good luck with the good run of the things I've covered you on the show. You came in later in the show where I've been trying to be happy more often. But... Uh, this and then you guys talking about wild animus for like five minutes has really <laughs> soured my day. I want you to know that. Like I'm just, I'm really sorry. I feel you have like, nine <laughs> hours of wild animus oh, ahead. Oh God, I just, I will, I just, you really have made it sound very bad. And I'm not. So I will give you just one quick tip, which is most uh, phones you can play audiobooks in two x speed. So definitely speed it up. 
And because the, there's not a lot of plot, it's a lot of like poems and repetitive stuff, you could definitely play your handheld game the whole time and look at your giant TV. So okay, cool. that's true. Speed it up, and get I into it. I did speed it up and try not to pay attention, but it did feel. I, I in some part of me feels like I'm still listening to my lyrics. <laughs> that, like I feel like I never. And are you feeling that time. sexually aroused by that? Uh, luckily, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the pause to decide which one's funnier. Anyway, yeah. thanks for being here at Carter Street 42. We've been through a lot of shit together, and I really appreciate it. I know. We've come out the other side stronger. I I am weaker, but I feel like (laughs) you might have gotten better. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.